This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Bridget Todd, host of the iHeartRadio podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. I think that is probably an indicator that uh, I should take us into our third question, uh, rather than try to guess what Portuguese people think about. If you are Portuguese and listen to the show and you want to let me know, please do. The subject is homebound. I just turned 30, and I have never lived independently of my parents. Over the last four years, I've done a lot of work in therapy, and I've learned, frankly, more than I wanted to. I went in thinking that I was a broken, lazy person who made everyone else's lives harder because I had been making terrible choices ever since I was a child. I now know differently. I was born with an autoimmune disorder that my parents didn't catch. I had undiagnosed ADHD, which I now take medication for. And the biggest surprise of all, my mother has been and is still emotionally abusing me. These revelations have helped somewhat. I'm in school now to get a specific work license, and I'm trying to start my life on a better foot, but I also live in an expensive area and cannot figure out how to get out of this house. None of my friends need or want roommates, and I have an elderly dog I don't want to leave behind. My parents love him, but won't take very good care of him. I'll graduate in 2024, and I know that I'll get a job pretty easily in my career but that's really far away. Are there resources that I'm missing or other things that I can do to help me leave the house sooner? I don't know if I can make it two more years. Mm. I, I really felt for this letter writer. I think especially like I've learned frankly more than I wanted to in therapy and that sense of, oh, I've learned more about my situation than it is in my power to change right now. And I don't like that. Um, Unlike in our first letter, I do feel like there is one immediate port of call that I want to recommend to this letter writer, which is you say that you are going to school right now, um, and I would strongly recommend um, looking to your campus for resources either with like subsidized student housing or with uh, like financial planning, sometimes like the the office of student life, sometimes your advisor. Um, Sometimes there are resources for students on campus, like making that transition from, you know, living with family to living independently, regardless of whether you're a traditionally aged student or not. And so I would say campus is the first place to look for for some of those resources if you haven't already. Yeah, I would definitely echo looking for resources on campus. And even in talking to a counselor or somebody, somebody that can really help with the process of like just figuring out what, if any, resources are available, because I know oftentimes that can be like an overwhelming process. And so there's probably- And specifically like a school guidance counselor, not like Mm -hmm. a therapist counselor, right? Correct. Yeah. Somebody who is like trained in what the the campus community has to offer um, and can specifically connect those dots, because I know that that can be, can feel like an overwhelming process and like having a point of contact who knows what is available so that you're not the one that's like Googling late at night or like on the Res Life website at 2 a.m. while you're really stressed and upset um, might be helpful. Yeah. So I, I would definitely say that's the number one port of call. 
Um, number two, you say none of your friends want or need roommates. Um, so I, I don't know if you said friends because the implication was you could only be a roommate but not pay rent right now, or if it was simply that you had only thought about living with friends. So I don't know your exact financial situation, whether or not you receive like a stipend or whether you have any savings um, from the last few years. Um, but I would say if you haven't yet thought about the possibility of looking for people who do need roommates but that you don't already know, again, even if your school is not offering subsidized student housing, oftentimes campus is a place to go for people who are looking for roommates and you at least have the school as a point of uh, shared reference for. So they're not total strangers. You might know some people in common. I think that would be the next place to look for people who want roommates because maybe you won't be able to find close friends who can take you in, but you might be able to find people that you have some friends in common with, which might be nicer uh, than going on like the equivalent of, of Craigslist and looking for stranger roommates. But I would also suggest that, like look for you know apartment roommate listings uh, in your area and see if there are any that appeal, like cast a wide net. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think like, I think that even just for two years, Living in a situation, like living with someone that you say you feel is abusive is just like, like I, I don't think that's good. Like even if you had to live with a strangers from Craigslist or people who like weren't your best friends, but were fine, that's probably preferable over someone who you say is actively, you know, being emotionally abusive toward you. Yeah, I think, I think so too. So I would, I would cast as wide a net as possible. Um, and then in terms of, you say your parents love the dog, but won't take very good care of him. Um, again, you know, lots of housing do take dogs. It really depends. I don't know, obviously, like exactly what's going to be available in your neighborhood. Um, for example, I live in a building that technically doesn't allow dogs, even though two of the other uh, residents had dogs when we moved in. And then we looked it up and it turns out like New York law is pretty forgiving towards people with pets. And basically, if you keep a pet openly for three months and your landlord doesn't get mad at you, you're allowed to keep your pet. So that's what, what? we did. And now we have two dogs. Um, it was great. So, you know, I would suggest like also maybe trying to familiarize yourself with like what the various uh, like local laws around um, uh, tenants' pets are. Um, but I would also suggest, you know, you say that they, they love him but won't take very good care of him. And I'm just curious, like it might help to like write down like what are the basics that he needs to have a good day? And how much of that do you believe that your parents are capable of doing? And how how else might you fill in the gaps? Like if it's, I think they'd be pretty good about feeding and taking him out. They're a little forgetful about medication. Then, you know, you might be able to figure out something whereby you schedule regular reminders. Maybe through your dad, who, who might not be uh, an ideal parent, but it sounds like at least is not actively emotionally abusing you. And so it might be a little less fraught. Maybe it's a sibling. Um, maybe it's, they'd be pretty good about day-to-day stuff, but not great about like proactive vet trips, at which point you might be able to, if you find a place that can take you, but not your dog, you can schedule like a weekly or bi-monthly visitation schedule where you still take ownership of vet visits and they're doing the day-to-day stuff. Um, any kind of specifics about like what specifically are the needs and how can I fill in the gaps? Are there neighbors who would be willing to help take care of him? Um, is all, I think, really useful. And I don't say any of this like to encourage you to like downplay your dog's needs, but I would just also say like my priority in giving you advice is finding you a living situation that is bearable. Um, and then my next priority is the dog. So 
that's that's why I think I gave that advice in that order. I would not encourage you to stay in a situation where, you know, when you say, I don't know if I can make it two more years, I take that seriously. And I, I, I put your life at a higher value than your dog's life, which is not to say I don't care about your dog or that I don't understand your dog as being an important part of your mental health. Um, I think you can absolutely still provide lots of care and love and affection to your dog and give him you know, the best possible end-of-life care that he can receive. I just don't want you to feel like I've got to wait until he dies before I start looking for an apartment. Yeah, I'm happy that you put it that way because I think it can be really easy to not make the best, not put ourselves first in these situations where it's like, oh, I have this dog, so I I have to spend two years like really being miserable and not really feeling really like in a in a safe living situation because of this dog. And so, yeah, I just would would echo that that like it's important to prioritize yourself while also making choices that you're going to feel good about in regards to taking care of the dog. Yeah. And if, by the way, a letter writer, if as you're making this list, you're like, they love him, but they won't do shit. They might forget to feed him dinner. They definitely won't remember to give him his medication. And if there's a medical emergency, who knows what they'll do. If that's your fear, then I would suggest that in addition to looking for a place for yourself, start talking to friends, classmates, other people in your life to say, do you know anyone who might be able to like either part or long-term help take care of an elderly dog. And I can't guarantee that there will be somebody who will be able to do that, but I think that starting to ask around now is your best bet so that you feel like you have a lot of backup options, um, whatever happens. Because again, you might find housing that can take you and your dog. Um, You might find that you are able to come up with a compatible shared schedule between you and your parents where you know that your dog will be getting all of his needs met. Um, I don't want to assume that the worst will happen, but it may be that you, you know, uh, like get in touch with local shelters, local fosters, and say, I need somebody who could maybe help take my dog for a month or two, but then I'd be able to take him back. Is there somebody who could work with me on that basis? Anything along those lines, I think, will go a long way towards making you feel like you have more than one option. And that, I think, is what I want for you most of all. Yeah, options is always good so that you're not like making choices with your back up against the wall from a place of like limitation and scarcity. Yeah. And, you know, this really does put me in mind in some ways with our first letter, where especially when you're contemplating such a significant life change, it can really feel like I need to either in the next, you know, 24 hours or week or month change my life so completely or else nothing will have changed or it will never happen. That can be incredibly daunting and overwhelming. And I really do want both our first and third letter writers to think of these problems as as something to be approached on multiple fronts, on multiple scales, as something that's not probably going to change immediately overnight, but that can respond to like effort and change. Um, such that it will cumulatively become quite different, um, you know, maybe six months from now, maybe 12 months from now, you know, and trying not to let the perfect be the enemy of the good, which I think is very common, especially as the sort of like similarities between challenges with focus in the first and third letter of like, either I can bring all my energy and attention to this problem and solve it right now, or it will never be solved. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in situations like like the letter writer where I was in unstable housing situations and like just housing situations that didn't feel safe, didn't feel good. And I just don't think that like they, I I don't know, I think it can be easy to discount the ways that they 
can bring so much stress to our lives and like oh, cla- yeah. cloud our lives. And so I just want to oh, like acknowledge that like where we live and where we're like staying is supposed to be a place that feels safe and good. And if it doesn't, it can really add to, you know, add to things. Yeah. And when you're just trying to like build up a sense of self-esteem when you've spent the previous, you know, it sounds like 25, 26 years until therapy thinking I'm just a fuck up, you know, that's a lot of uh, like, that's a pretty significant portion of your self-image that you've got to start building from scratch as an adult. And that's huge. That's really difficult. That can lead to your second guessing yourself a lot. That can lead towards, you know, kind of freezing and not making a decision in a moment of panic because it feels like you're not worth the time or attention or effort it would take others to help finalize that change. It can look like occasional self-sabotage or holding back, waiting to be drawn out rather than stepping forward and saying, this is what I want. So, you know, that's difficult work. And I wish you all the best letter writer and continuing to cultivate like a sense of yourself that looks nothing like the person your mother has told you that you are. And I want that for you. And I hope that, that continues to go really, really well and I hope you get out of there. Um, Yeah, I think those are my final thoughts on the subject. I just feel really warmly towards all of our letter writers. uh, And I I hope that they're all, you know, surrounded by like loving friends and no terrible boyfriends uh, and no terrible mothers in the, in the near future. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm almost like tearing up with what you just said for your last, to the last letter writer, because it, I mean, it's hard, but it's also like, so many of the people who wrote letters, or all of the le- people who wrote letters today, it sounds like they're at difficult, but, you know, d- challenges in their life, but like also opportun- like moments for opportunity and clarity and growth. And so hard and scary and big, but also good things could be on the end of those hard, scary, big decisions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to help guide some of these people, hopefully out of difficult moments and into calmer waters. If you have a minute, I have a quick update to read that will, I think, help us end on a slightly lighter note. Oh, I would love to hear it. Beautiful. So this is the letter. Thank you for answering my letter about possibly postponing my transition to have a child. The letter was called Motherhood or Transition. You both spoke from a perspective that I hope to achieve someday, thinking about my own transition as mine and not as a secret that would betray everyone else. I think I was too hard on my wife in my letter. She came to me with her evidence to show her reasoning, not to manipulate me or make me feel like I had to put things off for her. I took what you said, wrote my feelings down, presented it to her once I felt ready, and she heard me. She understands that this is essential to me and it's my choice, and she just wanted to know if it was an option because that's what she's always wanted. I went to the doctor by myself, and I'm elated to say that I've started my transition with full support from my wife and my doctor. My wife is even relieved that she didn't have to get pregnant right now when we hadn't planned on getting pregnant for years. I really want to thank you for your perspective, since I had built this up in my mind as insurmountable, and hearing how essential it was to other trans people reassured me and helped me understand my emotional reaction. Well, goddamn, now I'm tearing up too. Letter writer, I I can't tell you how grateful I am that you wrote back with this update. I just, you know, if nothing else, I just love hearing someone's like, I did write down my feelings and it helped me have a conversation. That's beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of your wife. I'm proud of your doctor. I'm thrilled you've gotten to start hormones. And I just wish you and your partner nothing but the best. And, you know, 50 babies, if that's what you want, um, in whatever capacity you can find them. That sounds weird. That makes it sound <laughs> like it, you and your, I mean it normally. 
pretend I said something normal. What a what a like joyful letter update to end on. Like you know, having having the hard conversation, confronting the ways that you've like built it up as insurmountable in your head, and then realizing that together you can you can overcome it. You can get to the other side and have something hopeful and joyful. How lovely! Literally, just a couple of women having it all, and who doesn't like to see that? Except for that Atlantic cover like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>